Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. More importantly, I want you to know something. Our goal is to feed a million children. I can say this to you because I just got the numbers. We're going to be telling everybody in 2023 that we're now feeding over 500,000 children. And it's because of churches like yours. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But also, we're helping develop and working with women in third world countries. And we're training them in businesses. We train about 25 to 26,000 women every year. We train them in a, in a business, and then we sow into their lives that business. We were, we were just studied from over a five-year period, and it's discovered that 98% of the women in our program are still in business for themselves. That means they're providing for their own children. They're providing houses. They go from abject poverty into the middle class. They began to rival their male counterparts in business, which is exciting to us. We're working with young girls in school and teaching them and training them, helping them in areas of hygiene that is just literally transforming. And I love the name of this church, Transformation. We're transforming those girls' lives. And it's because of you as a church. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing and how God is touching all of our lives and using all of us. Hey, we're going into Christmas. How many of you love Christmas? How many of you are like, oh man, it's Christmas. <laughs> well, I want to share with you, just in case. You know, you know it's going to be a bad Christmas when your spouse gets you a yearly subscription to the International Journey, Journal of Obesity. <laughs> I've asked my wife not to renew it this year. You know it's going to be a bad Christmas when your letter from Santa comes back return to sender. You know it's going to be a bad Christmas when your last year bonus was $1,000 and this year's bonus was a fruitcake. You know it's going to be a bad Christmas when your credit cards are still maxed out from last Christmas. Now this is a southern one. I, I was raised in, raised in Alabama, so I'm a southerner. You know it's going to be a bad Christmas when you ask for drawers, meaning Chester drawers, and you get under underwear. <laughs> Finally, you know it's going to be a bad Christmas when the baby in the manger is missing and has been replaced by a fat guy in a red suit. <laughs> Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can laugh and have fun. We thank you that we can learn what you've given us and the privilege of things that you've put within our hands to touch lives. We thank you that, that is a, we can look at that and celebrate it. But now, Lord, as we go into this service, as we listen to what you, through your Holy Spirit, is speaking to us about, I pray that you would guide our steps, that you would guide the words that I'm going to say, but also, Lord, Open the ears of every person in this room to hear what you're saying to them. And we'll praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Several years ago, I had the opportunity of being in Haiti. 
Matter of fact, after the earthquake in Haiti, Haiti, I uh, started in April of that year, I began to go into Haiti once a month, taking groups of pastors, allowing them to see what Convoy was doing there. It gave us a great springboard of moving our children's feeding program in Haiti from about 10,000 children to now we're feeding almost 100,000 children in that feeding program. But I got off the plane that day and the individual that uh, was our driver, his name was Kay. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, tomorrow we're going to go up in the mountains and we're going to do something that no other team has ever gotten to do. And I said, what's that? We're going to go and we're going to go to a school we have never fed the children before at that school. It's going to be the very first day. We've already trained the ladies of the village. They are, they've learned, they know how to cook what we have sent up there. And so it's going to be the very first day that they are going to have the children being fed by us. And I said, well, how many children in the school? He said, normally about 20 children. I said, wow, that's super. He said, but they're telling us because they've learned around the community and the community stretched as much as three hours because of the mountain region. They said they've learned that we're going to be feeding the children. They're, we're expecting up to 200 children. I said, do we have enough food up there for that? He said, absolutely we do. Because in Haiti and in other parts of the world, children who are malnourished, they can go to school, but literally they're not able to physically to stay awake because their bodies just do not have the capacity to sit there and learn. They want to learn, they want to grow, but yet their bodies are malnourished. And parents who would have to send their children up to walking three hours to school won't do it because of fear that their children would possibly pass out on the pathways and die on their way to school or coming back home. And so the parents heard about us, so they send their children. We, we leave early that morning. We're driving up in the mountains, and finally we get up to the top of the mountains uh, where we're going to be setting up, and the school is at, and the road is at a slant like this. The school sets below, and below that is a small river. And so we get out on this dirt road, and we're standing there, and the children are looking at us, and we're standing looking back at them. And I'm like, this is a strange thing. Why don't we just go on down? But for whatever reason, nobody was going down yet. And as I'm standing there, all of a sudden, I see something out of the corner of my eye. Someone is running down the road at a very fast pace. And I think to myself, well, maybe he's one of the students that is late for school and is trying to get here rapidly. And the closer he was getting, I turned and looked and realized this was a teenage young man, but he did not have any clothes on. As they would say in Alabama, he would buck naked. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, this is not good. What are we going to do? Because he's running at a fast pace at us. And the closer he got to us, it's like he set his eyes on me. <laughs> and the closer he got to me, he stretched out his arms like, let's hug. There's something about my two-and-a-half-year-old grandson running to me out of the bathtub and me hugging him and putting a towel around him. And there's another thing for a teenage boy. And I thought in my mind for a moment, when he gets about two feet away, I'm going to sidestep. And he'll miss me. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me. And how do you love that time when God speaks to you? Not an audible voice, but you know it's the Lord. And he said, well, if I were running to you, would you sidestep me? 
You know that whole passage of scripture in Matthew 25? When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And I was like, well, you're not running to me. <laughs> he said, well, take my word for it. I am. So I braced myself for this teenage boy to hit me. And just as soon as he did, he wrapped his arms around me and I, I had positioned myself well enough that I did not fall. But he and I started spinning, going down this hillside. As we were spinning, I took a look at the children that were looking at us. And all of a sudden, their faces went from wonderment of who these people are to the biggest smile. What I did not know is this young man who was unclothed, had a mental issue, his mother did as well, but that young man and his mother had been taken on by that entire village as the, if you want to use it, the mascots of that community. And by me embracing that young man, the children said, if he can do that, we can trust him. So, with my new friend, we all walked down to the school. We're, we're meeting the kids, having a great time with them. I'm a human jung and gym. Whenever we get down there, the kids just love to jump on top of me and try to get me to the ground, and we have a great time. And finally, it's time. The, lady, the, the, the women of the village have finished cooking, and so I bring the pastors to the back of the building where we have the kitchen set up, and it's an open fire area. And I said, gentlemen, today you're going to serve every one of these children. And so they walk out with the little uh, tin plates with the forks and spoons, and they begin to serve every one of these children. And as they're serving them, I started noticing something. Children would take a bite, and then they would take and put some in their pocket. They would take a bite, put some in their pocket. I called my interpreter over. His name is Mano. I said, Mano, why are these children putting food in their pockets? He said, I don't know, let me go check. And he went over to the children, started asking the question, why are you putting food in your pocket? Mano came back to me, tears are just flowing out of his eyes. He said, pastor, they're putting food in their pocket because they don't know if they'll be able to eat again tomorrow and they want food. I said, would you please get their attention? Folks, that one gesture of loving a young man running down the road gave me the ability to speak a word into these children's lives, and they trusted me. I said to the children, I said, I want you to look, see all these pastors around this room? We are making a commitment to you. Every day you're in school, and on Friday when you're going to be gone for three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to give you a backpack with food to take to your home. Every day you will be fed. What happened next, I was not anticipating. Have you ever cried, not just tears from your face, but from your belly? I mean, you're heaving, you're weeping from a heaving. These children began to heave from their belly in weeping. They never had heard the possibility, because some of these children only ate once every three days. They had never heard even the possibility that they could eat every single day day. They began to cry. They began to weep. They began to get up and just hug those pastors and love on them. And then when they're finally seated, a little boy came up and 
grabbed a hold of my leg and I looked down at him. And I said, Mano, what's he trying to say to me? Mano leaned down and listened to the little boy and he looked up and he said, he wants to know if this is what heaven's gonna be like. That he could eat every day. You made that possible, Transformation Church. You make that possible within children's lives because you take what's in your hands and you place it into the hands of others to touch the lives of hurting people. What's in your hand? I love it whenever Moses was standing before God at the burning bush. Now, first of all, that's a phenomenon to me that you're standing before something that is burning but is not burning up. And listen to what it says in Exodus chapter four, verse one through five. Then Moses answered, now, They've been having a conversation. God's been talking to Moses. And Moses says, and God says to Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and deliver my people out of the slavery that Pharaoh has placed them in. And Moses said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Anybody ever felt that way? God stirs in your heart. Tell somebody about Jesus. Just talk to somebody about how you can possibly pray with them. And you go, well, they won't even listen to me. They won't even talk with me. We give God the excuses before we even confront the excuses. It says, listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to Moses, what is in your hand? And he said, a rod. Now for him, this was a simple staff that he used in herding the sheep. It wasn't something, anything that was extraordinary. It was something that was very simple to him. And God said, okay, cast it down. Throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground and the stick became a snake. I love what it says that Moses did because Moses is my kind of guy. It says, and he fled. I know, I, I've told people, I said, the only, the only good snake is a dead snake. And then I get people after church coming and tell me, well, let me tell you about the good snakes. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. But then I, I found this out because uh, afterwards, Jesus, I mean, the, the, the father says to Moses, now pick it up by the tail, which in my mind, that seems very logical because the other in bites. Pick it up by the tail. But I, and I said that in a service and a man came to me who actually works with snakes. That, that doesn't make compute in my mind, but he works with them. And he said he actually picked up the most dangerous part of the snake because once you grab it, that head starts whipping around to find out what it can bite. And all of a sudden, when he picked up that uh, serpent, that snake, it turned into a rod once again. He said that, verse five, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. I want you to get this truth into your heart, into your mind, into your spirit. When the ordinary things of life are surrendered to the purposes of God, he can use them in extraordinary ways. Whatever you have, Whatever is in your possession, whatever resource, whatever talent, whatever ability, whatever strength you have, it may seem ordinary to you, but if you will turn it over to God, he can do the extraordinary through what seems ordinary to you. 
I was in my life, I was told when I was leaving high school that I should go into some kind of business that I did not work with people. Matter of fact, they told me I should become a bookkeeper that was in a cubicle that never sees anybody else. One, because I was a prolific stutterer. Secondly, my little test that they give you that tells you what you'd be good at did not show me in any form or fashion of being in the ministry. But you know, God had a different plan to take what I would look at as being ordinary and he said, I can make it extraordinary if you'll just give it to me. If you will give me that tongue that stutters, I will take that stuttering tongue and make it do extraordinary things. If you will take those giftings of finance and abilities, I will use those things through your life to do extraordinary things. So don't look at your life and say, well, my life is ordinary. Say, Lord, here it is. It's in your hands, so I'm giving it to you. You see, when Moses took that rod, that was ordinary. God used that rod to be a rod of truth to all of Israel. He used that same rod to be a rod of judgment over all of Egypt. He used that same rod to be a rod of deliverance and victory for Israel out of the tyranny of Egypt. God can use something that seems ordinary in our hands and do extraordinary things. Just like the little boy who had a few loaves and fish, God used something very ordinary to feed 5,000 people. The shepherds. We talk about the Christmas season. The shepherds had the privilege of seeing angelic hosts. Not just one angel, they got a whole busload of angels. I mean, the first angel talks to them, then all of a sudden, the sky was filled with a heavenly host proclaiming the good news that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was born in Bethlehem. These were not just ordinary shepherds. If you look back in the New Testament where it speaks of Bethlehem, it speaks of it being Bethlehem Euphrata, which represented the place where the lambs would come that would be used for sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. These shepherds were taking care of the lambs that were to be spotless, without blemish, never anything broken, so that they could be taken to the temple to be sacrificed for the sins of a nation. So these shepherds, are standing there. Now, first of all, shepherds were very ordinary. Matter of fact, they were the least of the citizenry in all of Israel. In some, in, in, in some uh, writings of theologians, they were considered unclean because they dealt with blood, they dealt with death, they dealt with all kinds of things that come along with being a shepherd. And so shepherds were seen as, seen as an unclean group of people. And so God the Father is literally saying to the lowliest caste of society within Israel, I'm telling you first. I'm revealing to you first the greatest news the world has ever known. 
I want you to notice, after they, after they had heard the angels, here's their response. Let us go. Their response was, hey, let's sit around the campfire and talk about this for a little bit. No, their response was, let us go. I want to say this to you. When God begins to do something through your life, it may not, you may say, I'm ordinary. I don't have very much within my hands or very much in my ability to do. But God says, why don't you go? Why don't you simply go? Convoy, when it began almost 30 years ago, began out of the back of a pickup truck in one of the poorest communities of Oakland, California. That's how we began. Servicing about 100 people that one day. As of today, Convoy has ministered to over 200 million people around the world. But Hal and his brothers just simply took what was in their hands, what was extremely ordinary, a pickup truck with groceries to help about 200 people, and that was all. What is God speaking to you here in Tallahassee about? What is God speaking to you about using your hands to touch a neighbor, to speak into the life of an individual that maybe nobody else will even speak into their lives, but you'll talk to them. Their response was to tell others. Once they came and they saw the baby, it says they got up and began to tell everybody in the community. My friends, we are not undercover Christians that we only reveal ourselves on Christmas and Easter. We should be sharing the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ every day that we live. I mean, if the good news is so good to us, why don't we share it with somebody else? The third response, they were glorifying and praising God. Here are these very ordinary people that were seen as the lowest of the cast of that society, there they stood as they had told everybody in the community of Bethlehem about the one they saw in the manger. Now we have no record that anybody in that community got up out of their house and went to the manger scene or the stable, but we do know that the shepherds told everybody that they found. But then after they had done the job of going telling, they began to worship God and giving glory to his name. They didn't have much to give to the baby, but what they did have was the ability to give glory and praise to God. So when this wonderful team of worship leaders are standing here leading us in worship, folks, that's your opportunity to give glory and praise to God, exactly as the shepherds did on that day. The shepherds were spontaneous in their response. But the magi, the wise men, the kings from the east, whatever terminology you want to use, they were intentional in what they had in their hands. Some of you have come today already with an intentional offering to give to one day to feed the world. You're not going to be moved by anything I'm saying. You're going to give intentionally because that's what you walked in here with. And I want to say that's exactly a biblical response coming with intentionality. 
But there's also the biblical response of responding with spontaneity. (laughs) Of going, wow, God just challenged me. I was not intentional about this at all, but I'm going to give. Whenever the Magi, whenever these kings of the East, it says, when they saw the star, they were thrilled with ecstatic joy. And on going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure bags. They presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There was a possibility these magi, these kings from the east, had traveled for months. They had gone across some of the most treacherous territory known to man of that day. They faced the possibility of being robbed. They faced the possibility of being hit by sandstorms and literally perishing in the desert. They faced a lot of different things, but yet before they left their house, before they left their palaces, before they left the comforts of where they were, they said, if we're going to go and meet a king who has just been born, what are we going to take? They were intentional. One said, I'm going to take gold. Gold represented the royalty of a child. You could not find a finer element of that day than gold. Matter of fact, wars have been fought over gold. Lives have been lost over gold. And so one would say, I'm going to bring gold That represents the royalty of the child. Secondly, there was one who said, I'm going to bring frankincense. This is so amazing to me because frankincense represents the deity of the child. God had spoken it into their lives that you're not just going to see a child, you're going to find the one who is the king of the kings and the Lord of lords of all mankind. He is deity. And the other one said, I'll bring myrrh. Myrrh represents his humanity. Not just the child was going to be born, but that child was going to die. That child was going to be buried. Myrrh was used in the embalming process of an individual at death. They came with an intentional willingness to give. Marsha and I have made this willing. Sometimes it's been spontaneous, but we have been very intentional just this year. Matter of fact, last week at the church we go to in Nashville, we gave our one day offering. We were intentional about it. But I'd heard within that church that there was a need, and it's didn't have been intentional, we spontaneously gave another offering on top of that because we felt that's what God wants us to do. Today, God is wanting you to respond to him. First of all, God wants you to respond in a spiritual way. Every one of us walked into this room with our own set of issues. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, I know I can bring every issue to him. 
I can bring every struggle. I can bring every life situation. And I can even bring every sin to him. And I know full well that he hears the prayers of those who cry out to him. If you don't have a pers- if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you do not have a place where you've said, I've come to that place where I've said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. You see, the Father in his hand, he had Jesus, and he gave his son to become the sacrifice for our lives. You know that scripture. If you don't, it's found in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then in verse 17 it says, For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, the Father has already through his own hands given you the answer for your forgiveness. For you to walk in victory from the things that have held you, believe it or not, in captivity. And God says, I want to give you a brand new life with your heads bowed. Close your eyes so that you can just close yourself in with God and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. If you would say, Bruce, I want to receive that great gift that the shepherds learned about whenever they were on that hillside, that the Messiah has been born and he lies within a stable. I want to receive that gift that the Magi came and bowed before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, recognizing his his kingship, his royalty, recognizing his divinity, but also recognizing that he was going to become the sacrifice for all mankind. Today, I need to ask Jesus into my life, would you raise your hand right now in this room? You'd say, Bruce, I need to get things right with God. Amen. You can put it down after you've raised it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would you, there's four, four individuals that have raised their hand. Is there anyone else that would join these four and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to accept the Lord and Savior of Jesus Christ into my life. The Bible tells us we must confess with mouth, believe in our hearts. Salvation is a two-sided coin. One side is confession, which I'm going to help you with. The other side is repentance, And that is turning your life away from the way you've been going to serving a God, serving God in the way he wants you to go. That's where the church comes in. They become that strength of helping you walk in discipleship of growing in Christ. I'm going to ask all of us to join in this prayer together, joining these four or more that raise their hands to saying, Jesus, here I am, I'm yours. Would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus you died for my sins you arose from the grave and I stand before you a sinner who needs your forgiveness I just ask forgive me of my sins come into my life save me in your name I pray Jesus amen amen the final thing is How many of you would say, 
Whatever is in my hands, my talents, my resources, my abilities, my giftings, I'm willing to give to God. Would you just slip your hands high toward heaven and say, Lord, here they are, they're yours. Here they are, they're yours. Lord, I'm, I'm willing to give my one day offering, but Lord, I'm wanting to say to you, here it is, all of it, everything about me, I'm yours. I'm giving it all to you. And Lord, when my hands raise, I'm saying, Lord, would you fill them? What seems ordinary to me, will you fill them to do extraordinary things through my life? Lord, if you can take a stuttering tongue and use it to do extraordinary things in this world, Lord, you can use any person in this room. You can use any teenager, you can use any adult, you can use any retired person, you can even use any mom or dad, you can use anyone if they will walk in obedience and say, here I am, Lord, I'm yours. And Lord, I'm going to be like the shepherds. I will be spontaneous when you move upon my heart, but I will also be like the wise men I will be intentional and I will do in preparation what you've called me to do. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, folks, pastor's coming. It's time for us to walk in obedience to the Lord. So, Father, as pastor comes, just like we fed those children along that riverbank, for the very first time and today they're still being fed every school day. Lord, there's still thousands of children looking through the fence saying, I wish I could eat. We're going to make a difference today. We're going to make a difference today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.